With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at the worst-case scenarios for each of the top 12-ranked wide receivers. We've already done quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends. Now we're hitting up the wideouts again. For those that haven't caught the first three editions of this, I'm not just going to say that Devontae Adams could break his arm on the first play of the year and be done. We're trying to look at workload, efficiency, even the R-word, using some regression talk here and there to see where things could go wrong. I feel like generally, you know, I'm an optimist. I like saying positive things about anyone I can. Ultimately, though, we do need to try to look at how things could go worse than we're expecting best case wise. So without further ado, worst case scenario for every top 12 wide receiver. First up, Tyree Kill started in August. He did have a knee issue that held him out a little bit. He's back. I don't think it's going to be an issue. Maybe, though, this could hold him back. I had a hard time coming up with much for Travis Kelsey as well because just like Kelsey, Tyreek looked as good as ever last year. And even if he's not getting the same sort of ridiculous target share that a lot of the other guys, you know, being drafted this high are, when it's Patrick freaking Mahomes throwing the ball, it's tough to bust too much. So I would just say, you know, if Tyreek is somehow less than 100% with this knee thing, which I don't even think is close to the case, maybe his target closer just slips a little bit. Kelsey kind of overtakes him as the true number one. Well, is that a likely scenario? I don't really think so. Tells you why Tyreek is such a great pick at the top of drafts. Devontae Adams, same thing, people. I will say, though, it's going to be tough for Rodgers and thus Devontae to be quite as good as they were last year because neither guy has really ever been that great. I'll concede to you 2011 Aaron Rodgers was on the same planet as 2020 Rodgers, maybe even a little bit better. Either way, those are the two best versions we've ever seen. So if this offense goes from number one ranked scoring offense like they were in 2020, back to something more like 2019 when they ranked 15th, maybe Devontae Adams still catches a ton of passes, maybe doesn't score, you know, 18 freaking touchdowns in 13 games again or whatever the hell that number was last year Stefan Diggs look with same thing with Adams even Calvin Ridley and Hopkins if you get it's a fairly arbitrary number but if you get 150 targets in the season it's so hard to bust since 2010 we've had 65 wide receivers get at least 150 targets in a year average finish PPR wide receiver six 59 of 65, 91% of guys with 150 plus targets finished as a top 12 PPR wide receiver. Only three didn't finish in the top 24. 2012 Larry Fitzgerald and 2016 DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson. I don't think Josh Allen is, you know, anywhere close. Even on his worst day, he's not touching John Skelton, Kevin Kolb, Ryan Lindley, Brian Hoyer, Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage, or Blake Bortles, the guys that brought out these bad seasons. Still, similar to Aaron Rodgers, we could see Josh Allen just be less of a world-beating version of himself. 2020 was the first time in his life he completed even 60% of his passes, almost got to 70. So I would say, you know, Diggs, has enough volume to still be a wide receiver one, almost regardless of how Allen performs. But hey, if Allen, again, is just a little bit less of a world beater, we can see Diggs functioning as more of a, you know, mid to low end wide receiver one, as opposed to consensus top three option. Calvin Ridley, 
similar idea. And I would just say that, you know, even with Julio Jones sideline last year, this guy was still averaging 19.8 fantasy points per game. With that said, targets ultimately win fantasy football championships and games. And that's what we want to target. And if Kyle Pitts is really a one-for-one replacement for Julio Jones from day one, that could be somewhat problematic for Calvin Ridley. I mean, if we don't see Ridley getting the overwhelming target share, the 150, 60 targets, and instead it becomes more of a, you know, 125 and 125, each of Pitts and Ridley co kind of operating as number one option, it might not be great if we see the Matt Ryan emerge that we've seen without Julio Jones. And that guy has been very bad, 0.8 fewer yards per attempt without Julio Jones throughout his career. PFF passing grade goes down by almost 20 points. Ridley and Pitts seemingly are good enough to still provide, you know, two very solid options for Matt Ryan. Just saying, though, Julio Jones, arguably the best receiver of the past decade. I still got to give the hat nod to the cap nod, whatever the hell I'm trying to say, to Antonio Brown in that debate. But losing Julio Jones can't be understated. Perhaps Ridley and Pitts not quite ready to step into those shoes. Again, though, I just see volume probably winning out for Ridley. Similar sentiment with DeAndre Hopkins. I will say, though, and it's this one quote from Cliff Kingsbury. I've read it a few times here. I'll go back to it. It came after they drafted Rondale Moore, and Cliff said, I thought we were going to have a great competition before this pick. You got DeAndre. You got AJ. Then you got some younger guys that are all kind of battling it out. This guy Moore jumps right into the middle of it in that group. Good thing is we believe all of them can play and start. Like, huh? Why the hell is Rondale in that group, and why is he not your number two receiver? Did Cliff watch a single Cincinnati Bengals game last year that consisted of AJ Green doing absolutely nothing apparently not and I know I've heard some okay reports from Green out of camp it's hard for him to be worse than he was last year but if by some weird you know grace of cliff AJ Green ends up being the fairly clear-cut number two receiver in this offense maybe DeAndre Hopkins all of a sudden isn't flirting with the single you know season high target share total that he usually gets every single year DeAndre Hopkins has had 150 plus targets in each of the past six seasons gun to my head I think he makes it seven this is also the first time since some of his first years when he was with Andre Johnson though with all due respect to Will Fuller who was hurt a lot of those years that Hopkins has had potentially a number two receiver on his level no I don't think Green is on on his level but cliff might and ultimately that's what matters so just like these guys volume is the only way they're going to bust i don't think hopkins takes a step back but man oh man how mad would fantasy twitter be if aj green is going target for target with deandre hopkins in the year 2021 Wide receiver six, this is where the drop-off happens, and I think these guys busting becomes a little bit more feasible. Justin Jefferson sprained his AC joint, not a great start. Certainly not, you know, nearly as bad as it could have been, but we prefer our guys to be 100% healthy when possible. I mean, the route running this guy possesses is just borderline erotic, but with that said, people, Kirk Cousin, his plexiglass solution to the whole avoiding COVID thing doesn't seem like the most foolproof, uh, you know, scenario in the world. I'm not a doctor uh, with that said. Maybe Cousins, though, does take a little bit of a step back misses time because of that scenario or maybe jefferson is treated more like a one for one you know one a one b with adam thielen he did take over the target share lead from thielen last year it's not a given it happens again so still a run first offense and similar to uh when we talked up ryan Tannehill, and probably when we talk up aj brown here in just a second there is a scenario for this Vikings defense to get better. Last year was the first time since Mike Zimmer got there. They weren't a top 12 ranked scoring defense. They were like 29th. So if this defense gets better, that gives them more of a chance to be the run first offense they want to be. If Jefferson just isn't quite as efficient because of a mix of Kirk or injury, we're looking at someone that's maybe more of an upside wide receiver two, borderline wide receiver one, just because he's not getting enough volume as some of these other guys. 
DK Metcalf, similar sentiment here. Like just if Jefferson, Metcalf, AJ Brown, if these guys were getting the same targets as the top five dudes, we could have real conversations about like where they should be on this list. They are that talented. In Metcalf's case though, we do have to wonder which version are we getting? Just like Russ, just like Lockett, just like everyone in the Seahawks offense last year, because in the first half, Metcalf posted a 5.4 receptions, 99 yards, and one touchdown per game on eight and a half targets per game. Second half of the season, final nine games, five catches, 68 yards, 0.4 touchdowns per game. So Tyler Lockett actually had more total targets than DK Metcalf last year, at least in the regular season. And I know Metcalf can make the most of those, uh, you know, opportunities, but if the opportunities aren't going to be there for him, it's going to be problematic. And I would just, you know, I was... I try not to get into Twitter beefs too much. I think there's nothing worse on Twitter than when people quote tweet the idiots in your mention and just mention and just try to dunk on them. Like you're giving them the attention they want and no one's enjoying seeing this anyway. I think we're all aware there's a lot of idiots on Twitter. We don't need to call out every single one and try to you know show that we're superior to them. But I would just say, I don't like when people say Metcalf was getting shut down at the end of last year. Like you look at his bad games from last year. The first Cardinals game, he only had two catches for 23 yards. He only had five targets. I mean, that's that game, too, where he had, like, the 50-yard touchdown that should have walked off overtime, called back on a hold on a scream. We had the first Rams game, two catches, 28 yards on four targets. Next Cardinals game, three catches, 46 yards, and a score on five targets. The only game you can find where he didn't, like, just make the most out of his opportunities was in Week 17 against the 49ers, three catches, 21 yards, zero scores on nine targets. Never mind the first time against the 49ers, he went for a buck 61 and two scores. I would just say that, like, I don't agree with the idea of saying a wide receiver got shut down by cornerbacks when they weren't given the damn targets. Like, go look at Metcalf's highlights last year. Stephon Gilmore... Patrick Peterson, Darius Slay, you know, James Bradbury, all these top guys were getting beat. Credit to Jalen Ramsey for winning more matchups than not. Metcalf still went for 96 yards and two touchdowns in his last game against the Rams. I know they didn't come at the hands of Ramsey, but I'm not going to penalize Metcalf for scoring touchdowns when the Rams didn't feel like putting Ramsey on the guys. So be careful when you say a wide receiver got shut down. Usually, I think Russell Wilson has been more of the problem, refraining from targeting some of the league's top corners or ex-top corners like Patrick Peterson when he knows his guy can win. Anyway, wide receiver eight, A.J. Brown. It's always A.J.B. wide receiver one season, so I don't know how he could bust. But with that said, only Jefferson and A.J. Brown have averaged at least 11 yards per target over the past two years. If Ryan Tannehill is not the same monster with Arthur Smith out of town, could be a problem. I don't see that coming to fruition. Still, though, Julio Jones, certainly more target competition than Corey Davis ever was at a minimum. Julio's presence caps A.J. Brown's total target ceiling. And if the efficiency goes down from Tannehill and or the defense improves and we see, excuse me, more of a run-first offense, that's how A.J.B. could struggle to uh, kind of supply the weekly top 10 goodness we saw for much of 2020. Wide receiver nine, Keenan Allen. This is a tough one for me. I really couldn't find many holes. His efficiency took a small drop last year, six-year low in yards per route run at 1.82. I think a little bit more due to kind of having a lower average target depth. But in terms of volume, people, it's just tough to see how it goes south. 12.2 targets per game last year in 11 non-injury impacted contests with Justin Herbert. And hey, even when Eckler was there, it didn't matter. In six, five, excuse me, five games with both Herbert and Eckler, Keenan Allen had 10, 19, 10, 11, and 11 targets. Sheesh. So I guess the only problem for Keenan 
Maybe last year was a sign that the injury problems are coming back, but I hate going through this injury excuse, so I don't really know. I will say Keenan Allen, first four years of his career, 15 games, 14 games, eight games, and one game. Last four years, 16, 16, 16, and 14. He's getting up there in age. You know, I've, I'm in some dynasty leagues where I've had people trying to sell me Keenan Allen, and when, you know, one of the reasons why I like to change the ranks throughout the offseason and not be too all in on them at one time is because I really think when you go through best ball drafts and any regular fantasy draft yourself and you're forced to all of a sudden, you know, not just put a player here so your Excel sheet shows this, but you're investing money in this decision. Like with your wallet on the line, you know, which wide receiver do you want? And I haven't been loving Keenan Allen in Dynasty. I think he'll be fine in 2021, but he is someone where when you have had not – not an awful injury history because I know he hasn't been hurt that recently, but you do have a guy turning 30 next April that is, even though he's the number one wide receiver in his offense, I'm just not so sure we're necessarily going to see another five, six years of dominance from Keenan. Might very well be overtaking it because, again, the volume is certainly all there for more success. Wide receiver 10, we got Terry McLaurin. I think the issue could be if Fitzpatrick fails to win the football team's alleged quarterback competition. I mean, he looked like the best one out there. Uh, you know, I've made it through the first half of that Washington-New England game. Credit to Heineke. I thought he did okay in the two-minute drill uh, there, but missed Diami Brown on a nice deep shot and just more looked way too erratic, I think, just not really trusting his progressions all that often. So if Fitz doesn't win that job, now we got either Heineke out there or Kyle Allen, who we saw tank, you know, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel just two years ago. So... McLaurin, I know he's made the most use out of, you know, he's even out, he's even performed adequately enough, even better than adequately, what am I saying, with liabilities at quarterback over the past two years. I'm not saying he couldn't play well with Heineke or Kyle Allen. With that said, Curtis Samuel, Danny Brown, Adam Humphreys, all now in the offense. There is a situation where Terry struggles to really, you know, improve his efficiency based on the quarterback play. And then also we don't see the same high level of target share with the new wide receivers in Washington. Wide receiver 11, Allen Robinson. The more I keep hearing, you know, the Justin Fields hype day by day, I'm tempted to move up Allen Robinson because he's gotten 150 plus targets in two straight years. But remember that stat, people. As great as Robinson has been throughout his career, and oh my goodness, as he had to deal with bad quarterbacks play, he is one of three guys responsible for busting with 150 plus targets. Did that the year after he had the fantastic 14 tutty season with Blake Bortles. So, you know, it happened to Hopkins, it happened to Larry Fitzgerald. I'm, this is not an indictment on Allen Robinson. It's a reality that it's hard to play with this many bad quarterbacks and just different quarterbacks year after year after year. Yeah, there's a chance that Dalton and Fields are the best quarterbacks Robinson has ever played with. It's still not ideal. He has to adjust to not one, but two different quarterbacks for yet another season. So again, credit to him for overcoming every single poor situation under center has been throwing his way. It's still not ideal that he has to do this again. Is it a guarantee Dalton's going to be better than everyone else he's been with? It's not. I thought Nick Foles was going to be better than everyone else uh, he's played with last year. Really didn't turn out to be the case. As much as I do believe Fields will be the single best quarterback he's played with as well, it also wouldn't be completely out of line if year one version of Fields isn't incredible. Fields would not be the first rookie quarterback to be average and then go on to have a great career. All things that could potentially impact Allen Robinson's efficiency if because he's going to be getting the 150 targets again pretty much regardless of who is there. Finally, wide receiver 12, CeeDee Lamb. 
Yeah, no, no way of busting, right? I mean, have you seen the training camp highlights? Okay. Uh, in reality, I think uh, he would just be the number two receiver in this offense, like he was last year with Amari Cooper, uh, you know, leading the way and having only fewer targets than Allen Robinson with Dak Prescott under center. So with CD, look, he's in my, I have Justin Jefferson as my wide receiver one in Dynasty, AJ Brown, wide receiver two, and CD Lamb, number three. So I'm a huge believer, but there's a chance that, I don't know, we don't see the best version of CD Lamb in his second year in the league. Could take an extra year. Dak Prescott, maybe not quite as good as he was in 2020, coming off the injury and now having a shoulder issue. And, you know, there's just a possibility the defense improves a little bit. We see more Zeke, more Pollard, less weekly shootouts. So CD, I mean, I think his floor in this offense is as a wide receiver too. I have him in my top 12 you know i'm not saying he's gonna bust by any stretch of the imagination but if he doesn't you know overtake amari cooper and if dak prescott just isn't quite as good and or quite as voluminous uh, throwing the football that's how cd lamb isn't going to take advantage of all this hype that's been thrown his way of late people i just want to say college football season is just around the corner to celebrate DraftKings sportsbook america's top rated sportsbook app has put new players in the center of the action with 200 dollars in free bets instantly if you bet one dollar more in any college football game download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code pff to receive 200 dollars in free bets when you place a one dollar bet on any college football game that's promo code pf PFF to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Also wanted to point out that for just $9.99 people, you can get access to PFF's Fantasy Football Draft Guide, our player rankings and projections, all the PFF's locked article content, cheat sheets for your fantasy draft, and more. Again, that's PFF's Fantasy Suite for just $9.99. Draft smarter than your league mates this season. If you have a fantasy draft coming up, I really invite you to take advantage of that $9.99 deal. I am three articles away from completing my 100 articles in the 100 day series and i you know check that out those are my thoughts on every single player and those have been the basis for all these fantasy files podcasts you know i i won't throw anyone on the bus but it's funny i saw someone on twitter saying uh you know oh in today's uh, world you know you don't want to have long form media pieces anymore nobody wants to read that many words and i don't even necessarily disagree with that you know as as a former grantland lover i still think that's the best website ever and you know i read everything bill simmons used to do on page two back in the day so I'm biased towards long form articles. I get that. My stuff in season, you know, goes for thousands and thousands and thousands of words. With that said, I know a lot of people these days, if you touch on every team, control F, look at the players that matter. And more importantly, at least for my purposes, I have found that I would not be nearly as good at podcasting or just kind of thinking on my feet in general and knowing the game if I didn't write all those words to begin with. So my biggest piece of advice for anyone that ever asked for, you know, how to get better at being a fantasy analyst is to write because writing forces you to rationalize your thoughts and just get organized. And I think of my best questions, best tweets, best ideas in the course of writing and I think that just lends itself so nicely to them being able to talk about it so maybe uh, you know the, maybe the answer is like doing more prep and then just kind of condensing the uh, finalized article content because I don't disagree we don't want to have you know Eight, ten, eight to 10,000 word articles coming out on every single topic. If you can say something, you know, in five words instead of 50, do it. As Einstein once said, make everything as simple as possible, but no simpler. Uh, just wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't just look at long form articles as 
its own medium without any sort of positives. Because again, I have found so many positives throughout my time in this industry from writing that much because of how much it helps you get in front of a camera and feel good about what you're going to say. So just my two cents on the matter. We'll wrap this one up again. Appreciate you guys listening to PFF fantasy football podcast and uh, you know, fantasy drafts are here. So I'll try to, uh, you know, I'll try to get to any questions you might have on Twitter at iHeart. It's always happy to help. So I mean, hard. And until next time, take care everybody. 